I'm so delighted that, that we have discovered that living with God is experiential. I don't like being bored. I grew up in Pentecostal churches, so no one was bored. In the churches I grew up in, you never knew what was going to happen, so uh, we're mild in comparison. But God created this whole scenario so that he could be experienced. So that you would be in relationship with him, not that you would know about him, but that you would know him. Not that he would know about you, but that he would know you. So I want to talk about Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Talking about a person. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What that means is the darkness did not overtake it. Amen. I have news for you today. Light dispels darkness. Amen. Darkness does not overtake light. There's, there's plenty of people in the world that will say, oh, pastor, what, what's going to happen? You know, there's all these wars going on and all these things. It seems like the world's just coming apart at the seams. It seems like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. What, what, what are we going to do? Light dispels darkness. Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace does much more abound. If you're following Jesus, you should be more excited today than you've ever been about the reality of the things of the kingdom of God. He was from the beginning. Then it goes on in verse 10 of that same chapter, and it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own could not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God, sons of God, to those who believed on his name, that name Jesus, that name that you've been hearing lifted up and exalted all day long throughout the course of our worship, throughout the course of this service. You've heard the name of Jesus repeated time after time after time. Why? Because it is through that name that you've been given the opportunity to become the sons of God to become the children of God, to become the children of light. So as many as received him, we need to talk about that for a minute. Because there's this prevailing thought in the world that we live in today that God just receives us all. And he does. He desires to. But in order for him to receive us, there's a scriptural requirement that we receive him. Very simple. Very simple. 
So as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become the children of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. For those who were born of God. Christians get really religious and they say things like, have you been born again? And Jesus had that conversation with a man at one point and and the man was so confused. He said, how can I go again into my mother's womb and be born again? How can I be born again? And Jesus said, don't scratch your head and ask, how can this thing be? That's what he said. Don't marvel at this. You must be born the Spirit of God. You've been born in the flesh. Now you must be born by the Spirit. So he said, not for those who were born of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but those who were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. I hope today in, the, in the, the worship that we've had together and in the presentations that were shared, that, that somehow for a moment you got a glimpse of the glory of God. You got a glimpse of his love for you. You got a glimpse of his concern for you. You got a glimpse of the fact that you are more important to him than anything you can imagine. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then Philippians says this in, in chapter 2. It says, therefore, chapter 2 and verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and through that confession and through that declaration, the Father will be glorified. It's interesting. I don't think the Holy Spirit is one to mince words. I think when he says something, he means it, kind of like my dad was. If he said it, he meant it. And if he didn't mean it, he wouldn't say it. And you better take him serious when he said it, right? But the Holy Spirit inspired the writer here to say, that name is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Those who've gone before us, those who are present, and those who will come after us. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Here's the reality of it, my friends. You will confess Jesus as Lord now, or you will, you and I will stand before him one day and we'll have a discovery that we were wrong about this and we'll confess them then. Yes. 
but we'll confess him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He will be acknowledged by his creation. It's interesting in Luke, there's a story in chapter 10, we won't get into it today, but Jesus had sent out 70 preachers to go preach the gospel and tell the good news and talk about the things of God in the cities round about. And when they returned, they were amazed that at the name of Jesus, even the demons had to do what they said. They were finding people that were in demonic bondage and they were commanding those demons to come out and the demons had to obey them in the name of Jesus. Only sharing that so that you would understand that when Brandy was singing, there's power in the name of Jesus. That's what she was talking about. <clears throat> the Bible says that the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. We've been fed a line of goods in our generation because we've been told that everything bad that has happened to us, God has somehow allowed it to happen to us. And so we're like, God, why did you let this thing happen to me? But Jesus said, it's the thief that comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. It's not me that has done that to you. Those difficulties that you have faced, they didn't come from me. They came from the enemy that is desires to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. Want to get freedom from that? Come and walk with me, he says. Come and see my love for you. Come and respond to me. Romans 10 and 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who says, Okay, I, I understand, Lord. I understand. You gave your life for me. You love me. You don't reject me, even though life has rejected me. Maybe parents have rejected me. Friends have rejected me. Maybe loved ones have rejected me. People that should have loved me have turned their back on me. But you have not rejected me. I call on your name. I receive that love. I, I accept that love. I receive you as the word says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone? Even that crabby lady across the street who keeps all the balls that go in her yard and gets mad at the kids for playing down there. <laughs> Everyone. I had a lady like that across the street from me for a while when I was a kid. In Acts chapter 3, there's this wonderful thing that took place. Peter comes upon a crippled man and he said, I don't have anything to give you. He's begging. I don't have silver or gold. I don't have, any, I don't have anything in the natural that I can pour into you. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the Bible says that man stood up and he began to walk. He never walked. He began to walk. Suddenly he had strength in his legs. And they began to marvel and they began to be amazed at what was going on. And so Peter addressed them and he says in verse 12, Peter saw 
as, and he addressed the people, men of Israel, why, why are you amazed at this? This guy, this guy just walked in. Peter says, why are you amazed at why Why does this amaze you? Why are you staring at us as though we had done this by our own power? Why does this amaze you? Why does this confuse you? You know why he said that? Because he was talking to people who were supposed to know God. He was talking to people who were supposed to have a relationship with God Almighty. And so he said, why would something this wonderful be amazing to you? You should have been expecting these things. Oh, I want to say that to the church in our generation. God's doing some amazing things throughout the earth. Why are you amazed by them? You should have been expecting them. In fact, you should have been participating in them. In fact, you should have been bringing them. So he says, why are you looking at us as though we'd done this through our own power or piety, uh, as though we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied, starts preaching Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, and when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead, and of this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of all of you. This man that you know that was sitting there begging, that was unable to walk by faith in the name of Jesus, he now is strong and healthy. He preached Jesus. He preached power in the name of Jesus. He preached healing in the name of Jesus. He preached Jesus, the Jesus whom we serve that still heals today, that still sets free today, that still delivers today, that still desires to bring abundant life to the believer today, that still desires to walk with you today, that still desires to have a relationship with you today. Amen. God did not create you so you could know about him. God created you so you could know him. Oh, he wants to have a conversation with you. I believe there are some people, I believe perhaps there are some people in this room today that you've even prayed to receive Jesus because somebody told you that if you didn't receive Jesus that you would spend eternity without him. And so in some sense of fear and concern, you prayed a prayer, and perhaps you shook hands with somebody and they told you, okay, that's, that's good, that's what needs to happen. And you walked away from that moment, and things are no different today than they were then, except that you prayed a prayer that caused you to feel better about your future. But the Jesus that you prayed to, 
desires to have a relationship with you. No, he doesn't want you to not go to heaven, and he certainly doesn't want those that he created in his image to spend an eternity in hell without him. That is not his desire. But he also does not want you to spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on the earth and not know him. He desires for you to know him. It's more than just praying and saying, God, forgive me my sin, because I don't want to go to hell. Well, how many want to do that, right? I, mean, that, I, don't, I don't suppose there's anybody here that wants to do that. But there's more to this thing of walking with God than the decision as it relates to eternity. I don't want you to know God because you don't want to go to hell. I want you to know God because you want to know God. I want you to have the time of your life knowing Jesus. I am having more fun going to heaven. It is a blast to know God. Just when you think you know him. Just when you think you have figured him out. He shows you something fresh and new about himself. And he asks you to come in closer and know him better. And he gets so excited when you do. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, repent. Anybody know what repent means? Repent means to change direction. If I'm going north on Highway 99 and I realize I should be going south on Highway 99, the definition of repent is that I take the next off-ramp, go in the overpass, and go back the other direction. That is a visual picture of repentance. Repentance means I'm not walking in this direction anymore. I'm not walking away from God anymore. I'm going to go walk with God. That's what repentance is. So Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And I'm so glad he didn't stop there. Uh, He said, and you will receive the Holy Ghost. You know why he said that? Because Jesus said, I will not leave you without comfort. I will not leave you alone. I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to send you a comforter, someone to be strength to you someone to lead you, someone to teach you, someone to direct you, someone to comfort you, someone to help you in your walk with me. So Peter is saying to them, let's not start the process, let's complete the process. Let's move you into relationship. Romans chapter 10 Verse 9 says this. In a moment, the prayer teams are going to come and they're going to be standing up here. And I'm just going to challenge you that if you're here and, and you've never prayed to receive Jesus, that, that 
you need to do what I'm about to talk to you about. And you need to come up to one of these prayer team members and you just need to say to them, I heard what pastor was talking about and I need to receive Jesus and I need to be in a relationship with God as he described. I I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God. Very simple conversation to have. They will be so excited to have a conversation with you. They will not embarrass you. They will not tell you to swing from the chandeliers, albeit you are in a Pentecostal church. They, they will not, they will not, they will just gently pray with you and direct you to know Jesus. Amen. Give you some instruction about how to learn to walk with him and how to know him. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Many people have confessed with their mouth. Many people have confessed with their mouth but not believed in their heart. They confessed with their mouth because someone told them that they should but they did not believe in their heart. That's all part of the process. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Isn't that simple? I'm so glad God didn't make it hard. If it was hard, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. He made it simple. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. For the scripture says, listen to this, listen to this, oh, listen to this. The scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolutely wonderful? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. And whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. So many times in our experience, somehow we think that God wants to hammer on us. And I think, I think maybe the church is partially responsible for that understanding. But the hammer was used at the cross so that it wasn't necessary for it to be used on you. God is not disappointed in you. He is not mad at you. He is not ashamed of you. In fact, he's absolutely delighted. And he said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you receive him, you will not be put to shame. You know what he's saying? I'm not going to point out your faults to everybody. I'm not going to pick you apart. I'm not going to point out your failures. I'm not going to put you down. I'm only going to speak uplifting, encouraging, upbuilding, loving, kind, restorative words to you. 
I will not let you be put to shame. You're mine. Anybody ever step up on someone in defense of one of your kids? I did one time. I think it was Victoria. Somebody mouthed off Victoria. I went in the man's garage. I was standing in his garage with my finger. He was bigger than me. He was definitely stronger than me. I had my finger in his face before I even realized what I was saying. I, you do not get in, in one of my kids' face. You will not do that to one of my children. I'm thinking the guy could have killed me. I was on his property. But that is what God is saying. You will not be put to shame. I will be your defense. I will embrace you. I will defend you. I will protect you. I will care for you. I will lift you up. I will honor you. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the good news. I want the prayer teams to come right now. I want them to be up here and I want them to be waiting for you.